0: Uh, you've been running your business for a while is there anything that you're considering either products or like your strategy or is it inventory is there any like areas of business that you're like looking out more of right now compared to before this time
1: i don't know that the pandemic specifically has had much impact on what we're doing um i think it has like things that we're trying to do more of now
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Ecommerce Uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. This week, I'm joined by Meredith Aaron of Boardwalk. They're a founder, one of the founders of Boardwalk. They've been running this brand for at least eight years now, since 2014 or so. And they have a bunch of cool graphic t-shirts, but they've expanded into other categories and items as well. And uh, she's here today to talk to you about... Uh, her brand, how they use organic social to grow uh, and use that, leading that into product development. So Meredith, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing?
1: Thanks for having me. I'm doing okay. How about you?
0: I'm doing awesome. I'm glad to have you here. And like I just introed, uh, one of the cool things you wanted to talk about today and I was, when I'm researching, was brand voice and organic social and how to actually make this unique content that makes you stand out versus all the other graphic t-shirt brands. Cause there's so many, they're all over the place. And especially with print on demand, right? So how do you view brand voice and brand tone and with BoardWalk and how does that lead into your product development?
1: Um, I mean, I think that when you're communicating with customers in any way, whether you're sending uh, email or SMS messages or creating social media content, you really wanna think about how you would feel if you were the consumer and you were looking at this content, like would this be interesting to you? I think that almost every brand I've had any experience with as a consumer, the message is very clear. We sell products, come buy them. But it's not like I feel like I'm talking to like a friend or somebody who knows me or somebody who's interested in me as a person. And so like that's gonna affect my level of interest in the brand. Whereas the most frequent comment we get at Boardwalk is I've never felt so seen by a brand. And that has a lot to do with just who my partner and I are as founders and our view of how we want to operate our business. Like, yeah, we want to sell things we need to or we don't have a business. But um, I have this very much entertain first, sell second mantra when it comes to everything that we do at Boardwalk. So um, that has a lot of influence over how we communicate with our fans. We uh, post content to our social media and send content to our email list that is in no way trying to sell them anything. People buy things from that stuff anyway. It's not that it doesn't sell things, it's just that it's not the intent. And so it's a little bit more of a reason to pay attention to what we're doing because it's not constantly just, here's products, buy things.
0: Right, cool, okay, that's a good starting point. So when you, um, with this brand voice and engagement and uh, these, I read on uh, progressive values and dark cynical humor is uh, something I read when researching. Did that, was that from immediately from day one or did it kind of develop and shape and change over time?
1: Um, I think it developed over time. We had another brand that was kind of a hobby before we started doing this as a full-time job that was a little bit more of like a passion project where we felt like, you know, because it wasn't our job, we could do whatever we wanted creatively, which ended up not making things that were super commercial most of the time. And when we started Boardwalk, we started it with the intention of being more commercial and less personal. Um, and I guess the creatives in us just couldn't seem to stick to that. And it's just as well because our brand did become more successful when we did move away from trying to be so commercial and being a, just kind of finding a happy medium between doing things that are like that have commercial value but are also a little more personal. So we kind of found a happy medium for that. But I would say it evolved over time. Like everyone says don't talk about politics with your business. And for uh, like early days, we didn't. And then after the Trump election, we just kind of didn't care. (laughs) We were like, I'm going to talk about this. And if we lose people, we lose people. And we did lose people. But I think the people that we gained in exchange were probably a better fit for our brand. So whatever. Um, But yeah, a lot of it is just born out of like, our own personal experiences, things we're interested in, things we want to talk about. Uh, a lot of our product development is informed by like personal experience and worldview, um, and it thankfully is one that's relatable to enough people that we can have a business. But um, yeah, it's something that we kind of arrived at over time. Um, like a lot of the darker stuff that we talk about, uh, I don't know if you if you've seen our stuff or people listening, watching uh, are familiar with Boardwalk. We sell a lot of very like dark humor products. Um, I struggle with depression and anxiety, I talk about it a lot with my brand, and a lot of products that we design are jokes about living this way. Um, so I think people that live that way, it's like the first, I mean, I think there's more of it now, but I feel like we were doing a little bit of this before a lot of brands were doing it, where we were finding the humor in it and making jokes about it. Um, and I don't know, there's definitely a mentality out there that like, oh, depression is serious, you shouldn't joke about it. Like people can have that opinion. And if that's their opinion, then our brand is not for them, but we have a lot of depressed fans who find comfort in laughing at being depressed. And I know that I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That shared experience. It's, it's not, it's not for everyone, but it's that shared human experience. Uh, I struggle with depression, anxiety as well. So I was laughing at some of the designs when I was uh, poking around your site. Um, so I understand where that comes from. Um,
1: Our most successful product to date is, um, this book that we put out a little, I think just over a year ago, it's a grievance journal. So it's the opposite of a gratitude journal. And it came to, it came to be because I have tried everything. Like you name a remedy, I've tried it for like my depression and anxiety. And so of course I like try gratitude journals and I tried them a bunch of times. I'm not a quitter, obviously I run a business. Like I'm, I'm pretty, uh, gritty and like i'll stick with things so i tried it several times I would try for like months and the entries were all the same it's like i like my cat i like my husband everything else is terrible want to take a bath with my toaster oven like that was just kind of like the the tone like every entry and i'm like you know what i don't want to write what i'm grateful for this doesn't help me this doesn't improve my mood i don't care what science or psychologists or whatever say like i know my experience and this isn't it for me what i want to do is write about what's bothering me and so I like made the opposite of that. I made a grievance journal to encourage you to vent about the things that bother you and it, it was really resonant with a lot of people. It's been our best-selling product because I'm not the only person that feels that gratitude journaling is not for them and being able to vent is important.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that is really fascinating. And I try to, do <laughs> done gratitude journals and stuff too. So uh, I might have to check out your grievance journal. And so that's your best selling product like currently all time, like even compared to t-shirts, like even though it's just a year wow. So that just really hit home base to the, and was that mostly existing customers or was it a lot of new customers too, with like paid social or organic posts too, off of that?
1: It's both. Um, I mean, we've gotten a lot of new customers from it, but a lot of our existing customers have also been purchasing it. I mean, well, have people pur- purchasing like half a dozen of them at a time because they're buying them for themselves and all of their friends. Mm. Uh, we're about to publish our second book. I'm hoping by end of next month, which is an activity book for adults. It's a dystopian-themed activity book, so it's all about like how bad the world is, but funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what we do at Boardwalk. Like we're not trying to put like a cherry on a top of like a shit Sunday and tell you like, yeah, the world is bad, but like things will get better. Like I don't believe things will get better, but we can laugh about how terrible it is.
0: Right. Yeah. We can, yeah, we can still accept that reality, but still kind of find a way to laugh about it and experience that together. I see. Instead of, uh, what's what's the phrase? Just like uh, toxic positivity, like it's oh exactly. everything's gonna be fine. Like you're you're kind of taking the other, not the whole other end of the spectrum, but it's just like kind of yeah, this is what's happening. But you know, oh, fuck it. What can we do about it? So that's really cool. Yeah. Um,
1: And so a lot of that kind of sentiment, like I try to, I try to write jokes and content for at least like Twitter every day and then I'll usually take screenshots of stuff I've written and then share it to our other platforms like Facebook or Instagram or like, I've mostly, most recently started doing a lot of video content. Um, I don't do it myself because I don't really like being on camera, um, but I hired staff to do it and they just will like, you know, turn tweets I've written into jokes, but it helps me figure out what to do because a joke that I've written that just, you know, goes viral as just a piece of content, but not a product then gives me ideas for like, Oh, I should turn this into a product. This would be a great quote on like a notebook or a kitchen towel, or I could use some of these quotes in the next book that I'm going to write. So that's how I tend to use that kind of content to inform future product development.
0: Cool. So that's one way to inform future products, but I'm sure, there are things like sayings or phrases or concepts that you just come up with or collect, oh, yeah. or you see something else out in the wild that, oh yeah, that kind of connects to this other thing I was thinking about. Um, then, so how you've been running this for eight years now mm-hmm. and you had, uh, just started with t-shirts, but you said you've gone into the journals, there's bags, there's bathroom, kitchen, like they were kind of different items. Mm-hmm. Uh, what led you to expand just beyond, uh, the graphic tees?
1: Um, we started doing graphic tees before the rise of a lot of these like, print on demand companies. And now it feels like there's a lot of me too in the market with that. And I don't really wanna continue focusing on a product where there's a lot of other people trying to make the same thing, even though I think we are better designers. Um, it, it, it's still a product vertical that I feel like there's a lot of people in it. And yeah, we can do it well, but I wanna be able to do other things. The other reason that I like doing other product types is a lot of people like the brand ethos and the kind of content that we make, but they're not graphic t-shirt people. So I can't sell them anything if I don't sell other products. Um, so having other product categories just means that there's more kinds of customers that can consume our products.
0: Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. There's more ways into the ecosystem and you track them, mm-hmm. you get, yeah, you get them in with this kind of content and then you sell them this other kind of product later. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, so and that that's kind of why you wanted to change from boardwalkt com to BoardWalk, right?
1: Yeah, we're in the process of migrating our domain. As of this recording, it's already it, currently in the works. We're warming up the new domain name via email right like, right this minute. Um, but yeah, we wanted to make the change from BoardWalkT-shirts to BoardWalk.com because we want to get away from the association that we just sell t-shirts. We do sell t-shirts, but you know, we sell so many other kinds of things and have other product types in the future that we don't want to be pigeonholed into one product category when we do other things.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that does make sense. And then how, how hard is that actually now? It's not like it was, you started the business eight weeks later. Oh, let's just change our mind. Like it's been eight years. Like, uh, I was reading the blog post that you emailed out about like the change and all the different areas. I was thinking of, wow, that's a lot of uh, different places to change. Like how hard is it to actually go through everything to make sure that it's all updated and changed properly?
1: It's, it's a pain. I am not, don't do it unless you really feel like it is an important thing to do with your brand. But for us, we felt like it was important because we really did want to get away from the association that we just sell t-shirts. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to it because there's so many systems that connect to your email addresses. You have your internal email addresses. So if like you email me, like my email address is changing, customer support email addresses are changing, The you know, Klaviyo email addresses for our email marketing, everything. Um, and then there's the domain itself. And then you have to update your pixel with Facebook. you got to update your search console with Google. There's a lot, it's not yeah. an easy project. Like we have two different vendors helping us. And I still feel like Matt and I, Matt is the other Boardwalk co-founder have just been like up to our ears and you know, tasks for updating the domain.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Uh, I'm glad you shared that a little bit more about that. Um, so speaking of that, it is complicated, it is hard. Uh, I've read some of your past content about like how sometimes the media and certain personalities make running a business so easy, so simple, and everyone should do it. And uh, I know your stance is not that, so what. (laughs) who, if it's not for everyone, then who is running a a business for?
1: I mean, I think you do have to be a little bit mentally ill to want to run a business. And I've said this to other, I know a lot of other entrepreneurs and they all fit the description and would agree with this. I'm sure someone out there will protest and be like, not me, but maybe there are some exceptions. Um, The degree to which it requires so much focus and attention and it's so difficult and so complicated that I just feel like most people couldn't deal with the level of complexity and the amount of demands, and I'm not talking about like a little side hustle hobby where like you're you know selling like a couple hundred things a year for fun. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just different than if you're trying to scale like a seven or eight figure company, which is what we have going on. There's just so many more moving parts. It's so much more complicated. You have to be an expert on so many disparate, really complicated topics to be able to even do like the basics. Um, hiring is a lot harder than people think it is. I know people think like. Oh, I don't know how to do something. I'll just like hire someone that knows how to do it. No, you won't. (laughs) Uh, you're going to learn how to do it. And then you're going to struggle to try to hire somebody that can do it a 10th as well as as you can, even if it's something you don't think you're very good at.
0: Yeah. Oh man. So it's, yeah, it's not for everyone, but, and you have to learn a lot about so many different things. I, I saw you, uh, in that post, you mentioned SEO ads legal intellectual property protection all that stuff um what 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 would you like recommend or what would you advice would you give to someone who has been thinking about going into starting a brand and like is there anything you wish you knew ahead of time i'm i'm sure but like what are what is like the main one or two things you would say
1: i mean i mostly caution people against it i'm so sorry my cat is suddenly decided to come in here and be really loud. Um, I would mostly caution people against it just because I think it is so much more difficult than most people realize. Um, you will need way more hours available than you think. Like it's not even a 40 hour a week job. It's more like an 80 hour a week job. You will need so much more capital than you think you will need to handle all the uh, ups and downs and costs to scale. Uh, everything you think it will take, multiply that times a hundred and uh, you know, You probably still don't have the number right, but it's closer. Um, So if you're, I would say the the things that are good about it, you kind of get to control your destiny to a degree, get to choose who you work with, kind of get to control your schedule. I'm not saying there's no perks, there are some. I'm just saying that I don't recommend it to most people because of how complicated and difficult it is. So I think someone that wants to get into it needs to really go in with eyes wide open about just how complicated and difficult and demanding it is. If you're not like a workaholic by nature, I don't think you will be able to be successful at it. All the people I know that are successful at running like seven and eight figure companies, they're all workaholics. They all work like 70, 80 hours a week. They are obsessed. And you kinda have to
0: be. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yep. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, Kitty Cat there agrees with you. Uh just no, sorry. I guess, no, it's okay. Echoes your sentiment. Uh I, I love I love I love cats. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, cause I was reading the, some of the blog posts and you you mentioned that they're also emailed out. So is that something you've always done is like basically either write a blog post and email it or write an email it and then add it as a blog post after. And just talk me through that a little bit more.
1: Sure. Uh, so we, we talked to a lot of other people that run companies and talk about email cadence and the idea is like the more email, the better sure but if you're just pummeling your list with like buy this buy this buy this the same idea as like if you're pummeling your social channels with buy this like it's not that interesting to the consumer um so when we decided we were going to increase our email cadence to three times a week which is what we do now we thought content first and like what would i do if i were sending free email, three emails a week to make them free emails that are actually worth reading and opening so um that is kind of how we started with that whole process with what we write um and we write for email and then uh our cs uh people they usually have a little bit of time in the afternoon so they can just like basically use what was in the email to like duplicate it onto our blog but that is generally how we've done it Uh, our with our model we do a monday email that typically has a customer q a so like a different customer every week will answer some questions about you know like what do you you know what do you like to do with your free time or like what superpower do you wish you had kind of just fun uh Chit chat questions. Wednesdays, we do a roundup of five things we found around the internet that we think our customers would like. Um, so there's no products in it. That email actually does uh, sell a lot of product, even though there's no products in it. Um, so for people that are like skeptical that that's a good idea, it, it's a good idea. Um, it works. So we send uh, things that we recommend on Wednesdays. And then Fridays is uh, new product day, So That's when we have new releases. Um, but every email has like, you know, content and stories. It's never just like, here's a product, go buy it. And then we, you know, mirror that stuff on our blog.
0: Cool. So, okay. Now that, that's good. Uh, I saw the, I saw the member Q and A thing there. And then the, the items to gather. So the, you said you don't, and that Wednesday email, there's no products or is there, there's not even a link at the bottom of the I mean, like... there's a
1: link to our website with the logo on the top. So sure. Click sure. The logo okay, on the sure. Of the website, but that's it. Like, there's no products, there's no sales content, nothing. Um, People are that... just like, yeah,
0: I'll buy a shirt.
1: But it, I, well, the thing is, you're trying to stay top of mind with your audience because they're not, no one customer is going to buy things every week. They, it's just not how it works. Um, and you can't stay top of mind if you don't stay interesting. So, having that wednesday email out there even though it's not trying to sell anyone anything it keeps the brand top of mind so when they get that wednesday email it might remind them oh yeah i did want to go get something from their website but if you're not sending that kind of content they're not going to see it we do the same thing with sms like we send an sms blast every week but there's usually like a funny like little like fact or a piece of trivia or something in there that's like you know We usually say something like, you know, not in a shopping mood. Here's a 100% free, you know, fact about flamingos or a free dad joke or something. Something that like makes it worth opening.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. That's fun. Um, Yeah, you're right. You're you're a brand and now you're a little bit bigger, but you're still, uh, you're a co-founder with your partner on this brand. You're not some huge corporation. Like we should, more DTC brands I think should use that to their advantage. Stop trying to copy what Nike's doing, right? Like. like I mean, I even think brands
1: like Nike should really engage in more like storytelling and empathy for their customers. I think every brand of every size should be doing this. None of them are, but it's what I think yeah. everyone should do.
0: Yeah, right. So you're you're going as far as to say Nike should be looking at what these small DTC brands are doing and storytelling. Customer. I think so. Yeah, I think. I think- yeah. Every
1: brand should. Can you imagine what a better, like, consumer experience it would be if every brand out there was actually making an effort to, like, be interesting in some way? You don't all have to be funny. I mean, funny is our thing, but you can be educational if you're not going to be funny. But to just be, like, product, 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 is so, like, self-serving and, I don't know, I don't think it's a very compelling way to engage with your audience.
0: Right, yeah. Okay. No, that's, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Uh, so, There's a lot of ideas and a lot of designs and a lot of concepts and I'm sure you have so many that aren't even on the site and don't make it. How do you filter through or how do you test or how do you make decisions of like how to actually produce products and what, what do you sell?
1: Uh, Yeah. So like I said, a lot of what I do is I'll write jokes just for like Twitter or something and use that as a barometer for what I think might be salvageable as like a product. Um, So that informs a lot of what I do. Like we have this uh, spiral notebook that we sell that originated from a tweet that I wrote that's been really successful for us. Um, So things like that. But um, a lot of it I think just comes down to um, sort of a natural instinct for a lot of this stuff. Like I usually have a good sense of what I think our customers are gonna buy, which I know is not a very helpful answer to somebody looking for something a little more repeatable. Um, I would say if that's not you and you don't have that instinct, like you need to hire somebody that does because i think that's more of a like talent than a skill i think it would be hard to teach somebody or explain to somebody how i do it but other than just like i pay attention to what my audience seems to like and try and do similar things um but i know that's like a hard that's, that's not a very like step one step two step three answer um but yeah there's a lot of that i look a lot at like what's in the culture and like you know especially stuff Another thing that I do that I think is probably different than what a lot of other creative people do is I don't tend to look at a lot of things that I like. I tend to look at a lot of things I don't like. So I have like a personal Instagram account that it doesn't have any posts on it. It's not worth following. It's like a completely anonymous account. It only exists for me to follow things I do not like. But when I follow things I do not like, it helps me think about why I don't like them and what these things are saying about like the society and culture and like how I could turn that into something that's like funny and a statement about the world we're living in and so if i don't look at those things and, and i just like am in my like bubble of like what speaks to me then i am missing a lot of what's in the zeitgeist so that kind of thing also informs a lot of what i do
0: yeah that's an excellent idea it's a little counterintuitive instead. oh what are other people doing well it's like what are other people doing so i uh, that are outside of my immediate area so i can figure out what not to do or like how to change it to make it. So it makes sense for our customers. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like the notebook that I mentioned, it says like, in case no one told you your teeth look sharp, your visage terrifies men and the crown of femurs atop your head is dazzling. So like when I wrote that, I was referencing something that I didn't like. There's like a zillion things out there that are like, in case no one told you today, like your butt looks nice and your hair looks pretty. And it's just like so vapid and sexist and so filtered through the male gaze that I was just like, how could I like satirize this that is like, you know, turning the male gaze upside down and like subverting that. And so that's what helps me write stuff like that.
0: Ah, that's amazing. That's really cool. Um, Okay. So then, how do you go about, um, you start, so I assume you started just like C through Shopify, right? Like you started printing, you bought the equipment and started printing your own shirts and all that stuff and sold like online. Then, uh, I see on, I saw on your site that you had like wholesale inquiries and stuff like that. So how much or how little is that part of the business grown over the years? And how do you go think about wholesale as part of the mix?
1: So for us wholesale is increasingly a really big part of our business and I expect it to be anywhere from 30 to 50% of our business by this time next year and it used to be like less than 5% as of last year so it's grown a lot in the last year but it was intentional. Um, We're really good product designers, uh, good copywriters, just okay at marketing ops Um, and so wholesale is kind of a natural fit for what we do because we're good at developing products and stores need products. So... Our way of getting into that was actually hiring B2B salespeople as full-time employees to help us build that part of the business. Uh, we actually hired a couple of them to start. One person worked out great. One person did not. Um, so, if you're trying to build that part of your business and you don't have it, I would say this again was where that like whole capital thing comes in. That I said like you know you, you're gonna need more cash than you think because when I first hired the two of them, you know one of them. Even though that person is doing a great job now like it took a couple months for her to make us money and we still had to pay her a salary while that was happening And then the second person that i hired didn't work out so i spent a bunch of money on salary for somebody i had to let go but i would say if you're trying to build that part of your business um it is probably best to hire your own like full-time employees that will sell for your brand hire people that are experienced hire more than one of them because at least one of them probably won't work out and expect you're gonna lose a significant amount of money for a couple of months before that turns profitable. And now it's like a huge profit center for our business. But we knew going in like the first three to six months, like we might lose tens of thousands of dollars, which we did, but we knew that was going to be the case so that we could get to a point where, okay, now this is going to bring in, you know, a couple million dollars this year and more next year.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And something that non-founders and operators are like, wow, you're like willingly, tossing this money away and knowing that's going to be the case for the next three months, half a year. But that's what you have to do to figure it out, right? That's the only path have forward. To do.
1: Yeah. It's I, crazy. I mean, yeah. So, so much of what you do as I always, this is like an adage that I think I made up. I don't hear anyone ever say it, but I always say running a business is about running out of mistakes before you run out of money. Um, which is, I think true for everybody, my, if you, whether you're me or your Walmart, like they are playing the same game, they have more money. So they have more runway for mistakes when you're small, you have less money. So you have less runway for mistakes, but you have to expect, like you have to make some guesses. You have to, I mean, educated guesses, but they're guesses. And you have to know that some of those guesses are not going to pan out. I've had tons of my guesses, not pan out all the time, you know, that happens to me. So I have to have enough guesses that are right, that we're able to stay in business.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And so, what in terms of the guessing with wholesale? um, Did you guys start with fair right away, or is that something you added on later?
1: We saw that was on the
0: site too. Or is that?
1: Yeah, we started with fair before we even hired our salespeople, but it wasn't doing a lot because we weren't putting a lot of hours on it. I, if I wanted to, couldn't put hours on it myself. I just don't have the time. Neither does Matt, the other co-founder. We have like fifteen employees at this point um, in Boardwalk's growth, but. it just wasn't getting attention. So it wasn't doing much. I think it maybe did like less than $10,000 last year. Um, so once we hired salespeople, they were able to actually put hours on it and make sure that you know, the category pages look good, the product pages look good. And they're actually reaching out and doing cool prospecting and calling stores and calling buyers and engaging with people. So obviously, we were able to like build up that part of our business in a way more dramatic fashion than, you know, just passively putting a few things on fair.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Um, and then how, um, how, what do you think? I didn't check, uh, but are you guys on Amazon?
1: No. Uh, we are very contrarian about the whole Amazon thing. Uh, we don't sell there. We don't shop there. I hate Amazon. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy for not wanting anything to do with them, but, um, it's a quality of life thing for me. Like, I just don't like them as a company. I don't like how they operate. I don't like the way they... Treat suppliers, employees, I just don't want them in my life, and I can live with leaving that money on the table and not having to deal with them. So, no, we're not on there.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's your business, your choice. It's Yeah, that's all good. Um,
1: We've been able to grow. Cool, so I don't have to go into... Yeah, Yeah. we've been able to grow like 50 to 100% year over year for the last several years without them. So I don't think that they are critical to your success. I think if you really invest in building your own brand on your own uh, website, you can probably get bigger and more bulletproof faster. Um, I don't like, I see so many companies where they sell so much on Amazon, but it's like this single point of failure and one little like AI glitch and you get banned and your whole business is gone. I mean, even if we got kicked off of Shopify, which is unlikely, you know, we still own that email list. We still own those social channels. Like we can pick it up and move it. And it's still ours. We still have our wholesale business. So we don't have this like single point of failure the way you do if you are too dependent on Amazon.
0: Yeah, that's a great perspective and a great point.
1: The other thing we did this year that I am happy with and that I think more brands should do is we're investing more heavily in video content um I don't like I mentioned I don't like going on camera so I hired people to do video content for us I write a lot of they write some of the content I write a lot of it um but they're people that I chose intentionally because they are good on camera and they kind of run our video content like they run our TikTok account and YouTube account um and that I would say if you're trying to grow in an organic way and you're trying to build like a audience is really engaged in what you do. I think in 2022 and beyond, like video is, you have to, like you cannot, you just have to be making video content and you have to have a team that knows what they're doing when it comes to making that stuff and editing it and being good on camera.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, especially with the kind of the products that are so visual, uh, graphic tees and these journals and stuff. It's really, yeah, it's really more specific um, and visually appealing, so uh, that makes a lot of sense there. Um, did you? So even you don't like doing it when you first started on TikTok. Uh, you've talked about on other areas of business. You're like, oh, you have to do it and figure it out yourself before you can hire other people. But is on um, TikTok? Did you try to do it yourself, or did was it right away? Did did you just like hire? That was the
1: one thing that I didn't really try okay. to. So I tried to teach myself more of the like technical side of it. So I understand like the mechanics of how it works and like what's required to be successful on TikTok. But as far as like trying to film myself on camera, I did not do that. Um, again, I think that's one of those things that's more of a talent than a skill. Like either you're like, you're really, you know, charismatic in front of a camera or you're not. And I do not consider myself to be. So, um, I knew I was going to want to bring actors in to do that before we even really Spent too much time on it. So I pretty early into deciding to put more effort into video I was already thinking about like, how am I gonna find people to be on camera? Um, and as far as finding them goes, uh, I recommend that you go on whatever social platform you're trying to build a video audience on and find people who are already successful on the platform and who kind of have your brand style like if you're selling like, you know, motorcycle stuff maybe you want somebody who looks kind of like rugged and has a bunch of tattoos or something or if you're selling like you know mom stuff like you want to get someone that looks like a mom like you want someone that kind of looks like your customer but you want somebody that actually already has their own really established audience not because you're going to be using their audience but because you can they can demonstrate that they know how to appeal to the same kind of audience that you have and so that's how i found my uh team i just looked and looked until I found people I liked and started DMing and asked them if they wanted to come work at my company.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that sounds intuitive, but I, I think uh, it's probably not as intuitive as people think. It's like, hire this person who's already successful at the thing you're doing. Like, oh, I'm going to hire a TikTok creator, but they don't have a TikTok account. Like, that's just, yeah, it's a little, a little wacky.
1: You don't want to run uh, like an indeed ad, like you'll get people that are like, yeah, I'm on TikTok, but like their videos don't look good. And they have like, maybe like a couple hundred people following them. Like that person's, if they're not successful for themselves, they're not going to be successful for you. Same thing. as like, you're trying to hire salespeople. Like you don't want to hire somebody who's never been in sales before. You want to hire somebody who's done sales, preferably in your vertical or a similar vertical and get them to do your sales. So you want somebody that's already kind of done the thing you're trying to do.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. That, that, that makes a lot of sense that's cool um, so how has uh, your founder role shifted over the years so in the it's been eight years uh, I think since 2014 so I'm sure it's evolved but can you like talk about the different stages or different phases and what what you're doing now versus then
1: I mean when we first started it was just me and my husband in Archie car garage so like we were doing everything customer service shipping printing, like but the whole thing. And like, I think the first things we offloaded were like customer service and shipping and printing, like, you know, cause we make our stuff to order in house. Like we own the equipment and we're not using like a third party print on demand service. Um, and so the first things we had somebody else do were those things. They're also some of the easier things to teach someone else how to do. Um, over time, we started hiring more people to do other things. Like we, like I mentioned, we hired the salespeople, we've hired uh, the people to do video content. We promoted somebody internally to be an operations manager to take a, over a lot of the day-to-day operations things. There's still a million things I would like to get off of my plate that I have not been able to. Um, and it is purely because I can't find people that are appropriate to do them. It's not for lack of funding, it's not for lack of interest or, or lack of trying. Um, you know, we've tried a ton. and. I think when you're looking for that more kind of senior talent it's really hard to find people that are qualified to do those jobs there's just a real shortage of them out there and so we have had a 100 percent failure rate with that so far we're still trying but um yeah that's been a huge thorn on our side is that we could be growing so much faster if we had other people in the organization that could take things off of our plates and we can't find them
0: oh so okay so for that growth you're talking about that you're maybe missing out on is that more the marketing and advertising things you're talking about it's a uh, lot of things. Okay.
1: Um, I would say some of it has to do with more marketing ops. Like, um, you know, every hour that Matt, my co founder, spends in ads manager is an hour that we're not working on designing products. And I think there's way more people that can be an ads manager than there are people that can develop a product that's going to sell hundreds of thousands of units. Um, so that is like a thing that makes more sense to hire somebody to do. But even trying to find somebody that can do that well is so hard that we haven't been able to do that. Same thing with operations like we uh, don't have international shipping working right now because it's kind of a complicated project you need to find a shipping consolidator so that it can be cost effective, but you also need all the tax permits squared away and all the jurisdictions that you want to ship to because you've got to collect that so there's like a lot of moving parts to it and then you need your shipping software to communicate with all these systems and your website to communicate it's a lot and so. I would love to get a more senior operations person in to do things like that. Like we need better inventory management system. Um, There's our IP enforcement process. It's okay. I'm sure it could be so much better and like a really savvy operations person could probably improve upon what I've done, but stuff like that, it's, it's hard, complicated work. And there's, I just have not been able to find people that I can hire to take some of these things off of our plates.
0: I see. So you're still kind of, yeah you feel like that's still limiting your growth and that's things you're still actively looking to, uh, hire for Got it. Okay. Uh, Um, and then what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just such a slow process. I'm not actively looking at the moment just because I've been burned so many times now with bad hires in that capacity that I'm like, don't have it in me at the moment to continue working on that problem. I have other things to do. It's just kicking the
0: can
1: down the road a little bit. Uh, we've also talked about maybe trying to find like a strategic, uh, investor, basically, not for the money, which we don't need the cash, but just for the talent, because we do need the help operating and uh, can't seem to get it. Uh, but yeah, we I was talking to Matt about this, my partner a couple weeks ago, and I was doing the math in my head about how much money we've lost on bad senior hires, like more like, you know, VP, director level type people. It is, and I'm not exaggerating, and this is probably an underestimate, at least a quarter of a million dollars in the last 18 months gone to bad hires yep in salaries in uh in some cases legal fees because one was such a disaster that we ended up like basically paying that person to leave our organization um you know just all of those expenses um and recruiters um and just not having it work out and so i feel like very burned on that at the moment and it's why i'm not actively looking even though if i happen upon somebody that i thought would be good for it i would you know i'd be glad to take them but um, yeah, it's just been such a bummer to keep trying, keep failing.
0: Yeah, no, no, I just, yeah, you're beating a dead horse. So you're like, okay, well, let me go find another horse to figure out and see if we can ride on into the sunset easier. Okay. I mean, even uh, the
1: applications that we get are like so inappropriate for the roles. And then sometimes like you'll get an application where it seems promising and you interview the person and they say all the right things and you find out later, like you know they weren't being truthful about their qualifications and the person you interviewed is different than the person that shows up to do the job and you know it's it just it's happened to us enough times and i'm like i need to put this on the back burner temporarily even though it's pressing because i'm trying to get some other things done right now like we're try- really trying to scale our wholesale business and so like that is taking precedence we're really trying to scale our video channels so like YouTube and TikTok. So that's kind of taking precedence. We're trying to get this next book published. So we have like a lot of other things that we're trying to get done and hiring is so time intensive and thus far been not worth the amount of money and time that we put into it. So we'll revisit it, but yeah, that's kind of where we are with
0: that. Got it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, um, how do you think of, uh, as <laughs> this is where this is in the excuse me end of june we're like wrapping up q2 in terms of this recording how this is going to be your eighth or ninth black friday coming up do you guys participate in black friday and q4 and all that stuff or how do you how do you approach that
1: a little um we're not big on discounting stuff uh we're an artist owned brand our stuff is very unique it you know takes a lot of time to design this stuff we have you know us-based team for the most part that we pay good wages to um that stuff all costs money so we're not like if you want cheap discounty stuff we're not the brand um we do offer some discounts around black friday and cyber monday but we're not like you know 40 50 off we're never going to be that brand um i think the deepest discount we've ever offered in the history of our company was 20 percent for black friday and it's like you know with a minimum spend but we don't do deep discounting
0: okay so it's just it's You you probably see a spike or bump naturally, but it's not something you're you're like this huge massive planning for months leading up to it. Like some brands that like bank on this like holiday or this week of time, right? For consumer spending then.
1: I mean, we try and have things, you know, more steady throughout the year as opposed to relying on like one week throughout the year. Um, And we, yeah, we plan campaigns around like, you know, gifting and we'll write like a funny gift guide and send a Black Friday and Cyber Monday email, but yeah, I don't think that we necessarily do what other brands do where it's like their whole year hinges on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. I understand. Um, I've, when I've, yeah, I've worked with clients in the past and it's like, all right, now's the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like your 50% of your revenue in this small window. Wow. That's that risky.
1: Terrible. I mean, even yeah. from the logistics perspective, like having to, do half of our business in a week sounds awful.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. So uh, cool. Um, I know some brands and I've seen some chatter about Black Friday planning already this for the like starting the summer. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, okay, so um, what is... Hmm. How do I want to phrase it? What is um, something that is successful in your business now that either was a weakness or was something that you didn't think was going to be a big part of your business? And it was in the past. Like, what is like a surprising success, basically?
1: I don't know that I'm surprised by how successful wholesale has been for us, but it was not a big part of our business until this year. and it has gotten to be such a big part of our business so quickly that that has been nice to see. Like, I believe that we could do it. I believe that we would maybe do like a couple hundred thousand dollars our first year trying to do wholesale, like really trying. Like we didn't really try until this year, but I think, uh, we're going to do at least seven figures in wholesale our first year of like really trying, which is great. Um, so, you know, better than, I was hoping for, even though I was like, I was basically hoping for like, if we even did like 500k, I would have considered that a win, but you know, we've already
0: eclipsed yeah. that. Okay, cool. So, um, to continue that success, like you mentioned is, um, more salespeople, more time, more systems on that. Um, is it, is it, um, does that include the international to them? Like you said, maybe trying to hopefully figure that out at some point.
1: We would like to. Uh, I have an operations manager who I have asked to work on it. Um, I feel like our operations manager is spread a bit thin right now. Uh, Staffing has been a challenge basically since the pandemic started. Um, And we've, not just at the senior level, but even more entry-level hires, we've just had a lot of misses on that and so currently like we like everybody on our team uh they're all great but we probably need one more kind of entry level person which uh our operations manager is working on that but i think they're spread a bit thin maybe once they have that next hire in place they'll be able to put up put some put some more hours on something like that
0: yeah okay cool that makes sense um okay so in terms of like how did you have like doing like you mentioned the pandemic and now we're kind of coming down from that huge spike um and this economic change and downturn almost is there anything you're actively doing or like looking out for uh, you've been running your business for a while um is there anything that you're considering either products or like your strategy or is it inventory is there any like uh areas of business that you're like, looking out more of right now compared to before this time?
1: I don't know that the pandemic specifically has had much impact on what we're doing. Um, I think it has, more, like, things that we're trying to do more of now is trying to test new categories and see what works and do more of what works. Like kitchen towels were a huge surprise for us. Um, I had been kind of bugging Matt, my partner, about doing kitchen towels for a while and he was like, kitchen towels like who's gonna buy kitchen towels like i kept pushing for it i was like i think we could sell them and we finally did like get like some kitchen towel collections and they've been hugely successful for us um sold tons of those and a lot of it has been just tweets i've written that i've then turned into like kitchen towel quotes and you know we've put some art paired with the writing but um you know that is something that went better than i thought but we're trying to do more of that where we're just like testing stuff particularly like Things we can test in kind of small batches to see, like, and inexpensively to see, like, can we, you know, get a sample order of like a few hundred units of something and see how it does before we invest in tens of thousands of units. So that's kind of our way of trying to figure out what we should focus on is just trying to come up with good ideas and test them in manageable quantities.
0: Yep. And I, yeah, that, that's cool. It goes back to like, you're mentioning the organic content as the first like test to see if it resonates before moving down the line. That's cool. Um, and so yeah, these extra product categories are probably more entry points into your brand, more ways to get revenue, more ways to word of mouth spreading or gift gifting even. So, um, I think that's really good too, but is that something you'd planned on when you first started like back in 2014? Like, or were you just like, yeah, we're just going to do graphic tees. And then I mean, we
1: started in 2014, we were mostly doing graphic tees, but when we started in 2014, that wasn't a very saturated market. I mean, there was like cafe press and Redbubble and those guys, but that was kind of it. And even now, like there are a couple of bigger, like there's printify and, um, there's another one. I can't think of their name They're huge. I'm just blanking on what they're called. There's a few of them out there. Um, it's not a, a route I would ever want to go. I don't think that the turnaround time is particularly good. Uh, the product quality is not really where I want to see it, you know, for something I feel comfortable putting our brand name on. Um, but it doesn't deter people. There's still a zillion people trying to do t-shirts, especially now with like, there are these things, crickets, I think they're called. There's these machines you can buy at like a craft store where you can like cut out vinyl and like iron it onto a shirt. I don't know if you've seen any of this. It's a different technology than we use. We use uh, direct Garment, which is like a water-based ink that actually like goes directly out of the fabric. So it's similar to a screen print. Um, but you get these things that are like iron-ons that like, you know, a home crafter can make this. Product quality isn't good, but now there's so much of that that it actually makes it's another reason selling shirts is less appealing because if you're a consumer and you've had experience with these like iron-ons that like peel and crack and don't last very long, then you would question like, well, why is your thing so expensive? It's just gonna fall apart in two washes. I mean, ours won't, they'll last for years, but uh, people don't know that if they don't have experience with that product, their experience is only like, you know, something that is not well-made.
0: That's right, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, So, okay, we're nearing the end here and I don't wanna keep you over time, so, What is, um, what is something that you're, (laughs) business is hard, it's never, uh, it's it's a challenge, but what's something you're looking forward to uh, in this next year as you go into your ninth year of business?
1: I mean, at this point, we're really trying to scale BoardWalk to be in a position to sell it because uh, we don't wanna do this forever. Uh, We, like you said, we've been doing this for a while um, and it's a hard job especially when you don't have like the team you need, which has been a struggle this entire time. So uh, next year I'm hoping we can bring in a little more scale, but also potentially look for uh, an investor next year, even if we can't sell the whole company next year, even selling you know some percentage of it in exchange for getting talent in place that can help us with some of the stuff that we need to get done would be worth it to us to give up the equity just because being, able to focus on what we're good at would 10x the business. Like I can, Matt and I can design products that will sell, you know, a million dollars worth of product. Instead of three or four times a year, we can do it three or four times a month. So, the company could grow so much faster, but not if we are, you know, like something that just happened last week was like our bank had a glitch where it didn't accept ACH transactions for 24 hours, which is like a crisis. So, it like kicked off all these problems with PayPal and Shopify and Capital One and like all these other entities and gobbled up an entire week of our time where we were just like on live chat and on the phone and like back and forth. And so, like, Stuff like that, but there's like a million things like that every month that just come up and you, you get to the end of the month and you're like, what did I get done? Nothing, because I like got all this other bullshit that has nothing to do with like what special sauce I bring to the organization. And so I just think about like all the opportunity costs to not be able to offload things like that, to not be able to offload things like, you know, being an ads manager or being in Google AdWords and just, you know, stuff that I, neither of us wants to do it, but we can't seem to find somebody else to do it competently.
0: Right. Okay. So you're looking forward to uh, more growth and more support and the right help and uh, hopefully doubling down on what you guys like and are good at. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Meredith, this is really great. Uh, Thanks for your time. Where do you want to point people to? Where can they come talk to you or uh, where do you want them to uh, check out BoardWalk at?
1: You can find us at BoardWalk.com. It's spelled B-O-R-E-D instead of B-O-A-R-D. So... B-O-R-E-D, BoardWalk.com.
0: Right on, BoardWalk.com. Go check it out. Thanks so much for your time, and everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode.
1: Okay, thanks for having me.